All right, empowered is where we are looking at how Jesus raised up his disciples. How did he train them? What was the college that he put them through in chapters 1 through 8? And then the master's and even doctoral program that he puts them through in the rest of the book as we're going to be seeing. Okay? So that's what we're doing. And the reason why we're doing this is because we're saying the Holy Spirit, same Holy Spirit that taught them, is going to teach us. Same Jesus that taught them is going to teach us. Same way. He's going to put us through college, and then he's going to put us through deeper things where we're doing it. Okay? So we're learning how he did it with them so that we can understand that he wants doing that with us and we can enter into it. With that said, we're almost to the end of college. Yoo-hoo! <laughs> Graduation is a little bit ago. We literally have, you know, like, this would be like uh, finals are left. Because there's like two stories left in, in Luke 8. And then at the beginning of chapter 9, bam, it's off and running. He sends them out two by two to actually do the stuff they learned in college. Time to get a job. Time to put it into practice. See what I mean? So here's what's happening now. The last one, the last story is going to be raising from the dead. That's a pretty good one to end on. Right? If you're going to end on a good note to send people out, raising somebody from the dead is a pretty good one. But here's another pretty good one that I don't want to talk about. Demons. Because the one that we're at today is the guy that had a legion of demons inside of him and, and everything else. And I don't want to talk about it because who would want to talk about demons? You know what I mean? You, you know, really? You want to? Wow. You know? Uh, anybody that wants to, I'm a little afraid of to begin with. Right? Okay? But the point is, and, and this is really, using that afraid, I use that as a pun because I want to say something to you. There's a tremendous misunderstanding that's going on, and it's not just in Christian circles. I want you to think, if you're of my generation, and I talk about demon possession and that kind of stuff, and you're Christian or secular, what do you think of? Poor Linda Blair spewing out pea soup and her head spinning around like it's on a rotor. Right? The bed raising up and throwing the, whole, the holy water under the burns her and you know, the incantations and all the things the priests have got to do, and all of this stuff. Now, the, the Exorcist, that, that would be about the last horror movie that I ever wanted to see, right? But that one movie stuck in my brain a fear about this whole area. You know, wow, you really got to be an expert. You really need to know a lot of stuff. You really have to be this. You have to be that. And it's scary and ooh and woo and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. You know, the poor people today, if you're not in my, you know, horror movies, it's like 30% of all movies that are put out. And not just movies, but television shows now. And books. The books that teach our kids how to read, you know, have all kinds of spiritual stuff in them. Right? About demons and stuff. Right? And it's all put in a nice little Harry Potter-esque way, but nonetheless. Right? But, but you see, the point that I'm trying to say is, is, forget about the Christian circles on this. We're as bad, and I'll show that in a second. But just from the secular standpoint, understand that what's happening here is, is that the world is filling us with misinformation. It's filling us with a lie. It's making us think that there's a battle going on. When there's not, let me change that. There is a battle going on, and here's how the nature of it is. I have authority. Well, I want to get a point at you, for heaven's sakes. Okay, somebody over there, okay, you know, get thee behind me. That's it. You know what I mean? It's not a battle like, oh my gosh, I'm winning, and I didn't do the incantation right, so now I'm losing, and now I've got to do sprinkles of holy water, and oh my gosh, the bed raised up like a round, and oh, you see what I mean? And it's none of this. It's none of this. And what we do is we let ourselves get impregnated by all of these vain imaginations of men and women, but we let ourselves get impregnated with this stuff, and we, 
we just think all kinds of stupid things that make us fear and that even more problematically make us step out of the authority that we have been given in Christ. The simplicity. If there's a message for today, it's this. K-I-S-S. -S, kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple. We're going to see right in this scripture where people couldn't keep it simple. This is an amazing thing that we're going to be talking about here in a couple minutes. And you'll see this right in the scripture. But here's the deal. I want to say, it's not just the secular media and their vain imaginations trying to impregnate us with all kinds of falsehoods. I can walk into any Christian bookstore or go on any Christian website, not any Christian website, but I can look, I can put in demon possession or I could put in spiritual warfare, or I could put in, and I would get libraries, I'd get list after, there'd be thousands of hits on people telling you the most elaborate ways to do spiritual warfare that are built on the flimsiest of, of biblical scripture. One little word was said about something. And we built this whole theology about it. It's unbelievable. I mean, we Christians, and again, you're going to see it right in the Bible. Right in the scripture itself, you're going to see people trying to add this garbage in. <laughs> but we know what was original and so on, and we say no, and we reject it. Do you, do you get it? So that's what we're going after. We're going after this idea. Who you, you need to know who you are in Christ. And you need to stand in who you are with no fear, no weirdness, no woo-woo. No, nothing. You need to stand in the simplicity of the authority that you've been given in Christ Jesus. You need to stand in that authority and know that it's just with the breath of his mouth, he slays them all. It's not a battle as in there's some doubt about who wins. The only problem is, is that we give away our authority and then we open ourselves up to nonsense and garbage. Okay? That's where we're going. Who's praying? Hayden Ray, that is awesome. Where are you? Hayden, this is a... I, I wish everybody could just watch his walk. Because, because it's a very real walk. He struggles with things, and he'll struggle with them, but God has just got such a strong hold on him, and he's so passionate about God that he'll struggle with something, and then he'll come back to God in this wonderful way and just keep going. I, Hayden, I love you. You're, you're awesome. So pray for us. Pray that we get this right in God that only his stuff comes out of my mouth and into this congregation, okay? Lift up another church, too. Uh, well, Lord, we thank you. Um, we just thank you for what you're doing here and that your hand's on this church, God. We thank you that you care enough to come in and help us out, um, and we just pray that we're getting it right. Um, I want to lift Kurt up as he speaks, God, that your spirit flows from his mouth into our hearts, um, and uh, just that, you know, we can come out of here learning something new from Scripture because you open our eyes to it. It's not Kurt who's opening up to us. It's you. Amen. Um, and then I want to pray for Centerpoint Church, God, and Troy, and thank the you, pastors Jesus. down there. Um, I thank you for what you're doing down there, and I just Amen. pray continued blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. How was the worship seminar? Was it awesome? Yeah, no, not surprised. Troy, that's the church that he went to, and they just did a worship week, so it's very cool. Hayden went down, took some guys down, got money for him and everything else. This is a good young man. All right. I'm going to read to you the story that we're at in Luke 8. I'm not going to do a whole lot of taking a part of it because I actually want you to see something else. I want you to see this story in the context of the other stories. There's not that many of them. But the bottom line is I want you to understand something about this particular story. This is the most detailed story of deliverance to be found in the Bible. This one right here. 
And what I want you to do is understand that the reason why it's so detailed is because it's right before they're about to go out and have to do this. So there's something that God is trying to teach them. The Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, is trying to teach them right now, and it's something we need to learn. Okay? So here's this rather lengthy story that I'm just going to read through pretty much. Then they sailed to the region of the Gersenes, which is opposite Galilee. When he got out on the land, a demon-possessed man from the town met him. For a long time he'd worn no clothes and did not stay in a house built but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and said in a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, you son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torment me. Okay? He had, uh, for Jesus had commanded the unspirit to come out of the man. Okay, so you understand the reason why he's saying that is because Jesus had said, come out, and the spirit is arguing back. Okay? For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him, and though he was guarded, bound by chains and shackles, he would snap the restraints and be driven by the demon into deserted places, isolated alone. Where, what is your name? Jesus asked him. Legion. Because there's many demons that entered him. And when they begged him, and they begged him not to banish them to the abyss, a large herd of pigs is there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him to permit them to enter the pigs. He gave them permission. The demons came out of the man, entered the pigs. The herd rushes down the steep bank into the lake and drowns. When the men who attended them saw what had happened, they ran off and reported to the town in the countryside. Then the people went out to see what happened. Then they came to Jesus and found the man the demons had departed from, the guy that they had chained and guarded and were, they were afraid of. They found him sitting at Jesus' feet in his right mind. They were afraid. <laughs> Just think about that for a second. Look what their reaction was. That's what our reaction is when we get to this stuff. It's fear. We've got to overcome that. Meanwhile, the eyewitnesses reported them how the demon-possessed man was delivered. Then all the people of the Gerasene uh, region asked him to leave them because they were gripped by great fear. So getting in the boat, he returned. The man from whom the demons had departed kept begging him to be with him. But he sent him away and said, Go back to your home and tell all that God has done for you. And off he went, proclaiming through the town all that Jesus had done for him. They were afraid. Jesus put somebody in their midst who would make them feel differently about all of this stuff than when they had begun. You see it? Somebody who could tell them, Jesus has authority. This is what's going on. See what I mean? All right, now, that's the story. Now, I'm going to ask a couple of questions because I want us to get modern for a second here, okay? See, because we think, we think these people in the old days were stupid. We don't ever want to say it that way. But that's the way that we act because they don't understand psychology. See, they don't understand that people can be, you know what, actually Matthew 4, go look it up. Matthew 4, I think it's verse 17. says that when Jesus delivered people, there's demon-possessed people in it, but there's also lunatics and there's epileptics and they're all different. So people understood that some people weren't demon-possessed. They were just crazy. Okay? Not, I mean, I'm sure there's some people walking around accusing somebody of being demon-possessed when in fact they were just crazy. But I'm also certain that in today's world, there's people walking around saying that somebody's psychologically damaged when in fact it's demonic. Which is the first thing that I want to ask us then. Are demons real? Is it really demons? Well, we just have to do something as Christians, okay? We have to say this. Jesus Christ is God. And Jesus Christ is the one who said there was demons. And in this story, he's not only saying it, he's demonstrating it. 
He's proving it. I told you this is the most detailed story, and there's something that happens in this story which ironically answers the most modern critique of this whole demon stuff. Because here's what we say as moderns. Aren't demons really just something we now understand to be psychological? Really, isn't that kind of what they are? That's how people feel, right? And that's how they would explain it. Now watch this. Andrew, you come up because you can, you can take the weight of this, okay? If I go to Andrew and I say, you know, I'm, you know, I say that he's got a demon in him, and I say, be delivered, or whatever grand thing I'm supposed to say, which Jesus didn't say because he just said, be gone, you know. But anyway, the point is, is I say be gone, and now he's in his right mind. You do understand that the modern psychologist would come to you and say, that wasn't deliverance from a demon. This is a guy who's, not you, of course, but this is a guy who's tweaked in his brain, and he's just had somebody speak with authority in a way that he's able to snap to what appears to be a healthier place. See? It wasn't a demon being delivered. See? I just said something to him. I said to be free, and he went, oh, my God, I'm free. I feel so much better placebo. See? Right? That's what we would say as moderns, right? Particularly a secular modern. That's what they would say, isn't it? Right? So here's what we can say back to all secular moderns who want to say there's no demons. In every other story, you can say that that was just placebo effect. But in this one with the pigs, you can't. Why? Because he told the demons to go into pigs, and they ran down the hill and drowned themselves. That's not placebo. <laughs> that's not anything. That's real. <laughs> so real that the people freaked out. <laughs> Do you see it? Here's what Jesus is doing. I get, even to, the, even to the disciples, not just moderns, but to the disciples, he can come to them and say, Do you really understand how real this is? I just want to show you, just so that you understand how actually tangible, true this is. Because you're always going to have in your mind that I asked them what they were. It was many demons. They said, can we go into the pigs? And pigs did what pigs don't normally do, which is run down steep hills and drown themselves. Do you see it? Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Now... You do realize that I could go right now onto Google and I could Google demon possession pigs and I would get at least 10 books that have been written about the theology behind that. And it would be fanciful imaginations of man. The reason why Jesus had them go into the pigs and run down the hill was what I just explained. It was so that people would know that this was real and they wouldn't be able to say it's just placebo or psychological or whatever. He was demonstrating to them something that he does throughout the Bible. Here's what Jesus, here's what God does throughout the Bible, old and new. Does it all the time. I want you to know that there is a spiritual realm. Be aware of it. But here's what I don't want you to do. Become an expert at it. I don't want you to spend time around the tree where the snake is because he's going to deceive you. I just want you to know there's a snake out there trying to bite you. So don't fall like Eve did. Don't hang out in places that are filled with lies and deception because no matter how smart you think you are, you're going to end up deceived. 
You see it? What I want you to do is I want you to know that this, 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 this realm of demons and spirits and spiritual things Daniel talks about, right? He says, I was praying, and then finally Gabriel breaks through, and he says, I was being withstood by this angel, you know, who was fighting me and all this kind of stuff. And we know from that that there's a lot of stuff going on up there. You know what God never does? Explains it any further than that. You know what we do? We make up a theory, but what you can do is interview demons. See, because you take this story with the pigs right here, so that means we get to interview demons. He didn't interview a demon. He asked him what his name was. <laughs> That's it. He didn't say, what are you doing? And if he would have said, what are you doing, what would the demon have done? What do demons do? Lie. <laughs> what does he do every time he sees a demon? Shut up. Oh, sorry. No, shut up. <laughs> do you see it? He says, be quiet. You're just a liar. So we developed this, this theology back when we don't do anymore. And the reason why we don't do it is why? Because it wasn't biblical. It led to bad places. It wasn't good. So the bottom line is, is that what God is doing is he's trying to tell us, don't be like Eve. Know that it's there. And then stand in who you are relative to it. And here's who you are. Do not be afraid. Do not be worried. Understand, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Period. Simple, easy, straightforward. God does not have to teach us about the spiritual realm because he's given us everything we need to overcome it. A, we know it's there. B, we stand in authority against it. That's it. Keep it simple, stupid. When we complicate it, we become deceived. Period. I'm going to prove all this in a whole bunch of different ways, I hope. But right now, I'm going to take you to every time that there's a detailed deliverance in the New Testament. Every time. This is going to be a short sermon because there's not very many of them. But I want, to, I want you to sh see how simple Jesus kept it. Okay? Because he's the one that's modeling for us what we're to do, right? It's not like the exorcist at all. It's not like Supernatural, the television show. Okay? All that hocus-pocus stuff is a deception. So here we go. Here's the first one. Jesus is just, he's just started his ministry. A demon stands up and says, we know who you are. What are you going to do with us? What are you going to do with me, right? Are you come to torment us? Are you come to kill me? Right? What did Jesus say? Be quiet. <laughs> Again, he doesn't let him speak. Be quiet. Jesus cut him short. Be quiet. Come out of the man. I went to school for six years. I could have learned that before I ever went to school. I didn't need to go to school at all for that. And nobody else does either. There's not some big ordination, Catholic priest, ritualization, blah, blah, blah. All of that actually ends up giving place to Satan, ironically. Because we fail to stand in the authority which we have. Because we undermine it by our own imaginations about what we have to do. You see it? So, and look down here, by the way, because I want you to see them all on one screen. You see down here, that's Luke 4.35. That's the quote. And then I have the other places in Scripture where it's noted. So if anybody wants to go back and check me on this, feel free. All right? All right, now, the second one. He goes and he heals Peter's mom. Everybody hears about it. This is right after he'd done his first sermon, right? He goes to Peter's house, heals Peter's mom. 
then what happens is all the people gather and he, deli he heals them, but then he casts out evil spirits with a simple command. See the way that he, the way it was phrased? He casts them out with an incantation born of 1,000 years of experience about how precisely to say these certain things. No, he casts them out with a simple command, go. And if you don't believe me that it's go, let me take you back to the pig story, where when they asked to go into the pigs, he said, go. <laughs> that seems pretty simple and straightforward to me. Now, do remember that what he said also, and we're looking at it, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. He was saying, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. He did tell it what to do. See that? All right. By the way, uh, Jude talks about people who in their vain imaginations revile and do all kinds of things that they've thought up about the devil. And he says, these are dumb. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to use the word. I'm trying to quit cussing. Okay? But they're dumb. Can you fill in the next word? Okay? And he says what they are is they're brute beast, dumb. And then what he says is, because they've got all this stuff in their mind about what it is, but he says even the angels, when they were arguing over the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce a reviling accusation, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. See what I'm saying? We do all this stuff. We, we, we do all this stuff from our imaginations. And God could not have made it more clear in his word what we're supposed to do, which is keep it simple, stupid. Okay? So here we go. This is one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. This is the woman whose daughter is so tragically got evil spirits in her. And she comes to Jesus. She's a Gentile. She comes to Jesus, and she's begging him to set her daughter free. Right? Now, Jesus is moving on in terms of college. Because, see, in the beginning of college, they put you in a class of 500 people, and you listen and regurgitate the information. At the end of college, you get to be in a lab. And in a lab, people let you try things. So we're in a lab situation now. And what happens is the woman, Gentile, is begging to be healed. And Jesus wants the disciples to do what they would do. Because what would Jesus have done? What did Jesus do every time somebody came and begged him to heal them? What did he do every single time? Healed them. But he's waiting to see whether or not the disciples will get this. So she's begging them. He waits. Finally, the disciples say, send her away. Okay. Bread's not supposed to be given to dogs. That's a pretty effective way of sending him away, isn't it? Pretty effective, right? Yeah, Jesus, but even the breadcrumbs are enough for me. Oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done as you desire. And you can just hear his disciples going, <laughs> missed it by that much. <laughs> no, missed it by that much. See? He heals. That's what he does. That's who he is. Great is your faith. Be it done to you as you desire. It doesn't even have to say the demons be gone. They're just gone. Right? Simple. Now, that right there is all the college material we have. By the way, that last one, I'm not quite sure if that happened before or after he sent out the 70. Right? But bottom line is, is I think it probably was before, as near as I can tell. But the bottom line is, that's everything that was in the college level. The next thing he does is send them out. Now, he sends them out, and what happens is the 72 return, Luke 10, they return with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They're rejoicing, saying, wow, even demons are subject to us. Now, what's Jesus' response to this? Watch this. It's a twofold response. 
So get both moments of this response to them. The first one is this. When you were dealing with those demons, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. When you were casting them out, Satan was losing his position by you casting them out. See that? Behold, I've given you authority. You hear it? To tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. What's he trying to say? Don't be afraid. You see it? Don't be afraid anymore. And having seen what he did with the legion, they went out and they weren't afraid. And then they experienced it, and then he was saying to them, now don't let this spirit creep back on you. This fear, this stupidity, this complicating it because of deception so as to get into some slight error that ends up robbing you of the authority that you have. You see it? But now watch what Jesus does. So here's what he's saying. Look, you have power and you don't have to fear anything. Do we get it? Don't be afraid of this stuff. Period. Smith Wigglesworth is sleeping, sleeping one night. Smith Wigglesworth, excuse me if I said that so fast and poorly that you didn't know what that word was. Smith Wigglesworth wakes up one night and he looks down the bottom of his bed and he says, I saw Satan sitting at the bottom of my bed. And he said, oh, it's just you and rolled over and went back to sleep. I have a friend who is in missions in Africa and he woke up one night and he saw two demons sitting in his room, one big and huge and the other one, and, and he just went, whatever, and went back to sleep. Just ignored him. You have no sway over me unless I give it to you. See? I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> I know who I am in Christ. Period. See it? Now watch what Jesus does, though. Because you guys hang out by that tree and you get all tangled up, <laughs> don't rejoice in this. They were rejoicing that the demons were subject to them. Don't rejoice in this. You're going to get it all kinked up in your mind. You're going to become one of those vain, dumb things that I can't say anymore. You're going to become one of those things, and you're going you're to get all twisted up in your head about what's going on, and you're going to make up a bunch of bad theology. So don't mess with that stuff. Look, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. Don't rejoice in that. Wait a minute. I, I kind of rejoice in that. That's good, right? He's saying no. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Get majored on the major. Don't major on the minor. Don't play around with the tree. The snake's smarter than you are. Know that he's there, and so stand in simplicity in who Christ is and who he's made you to be. See it? Now watch. This is, this is after they come back. You remember, they didn't, there was one problem. The man comes with the son that is having epileptic. It says epileptic, but it's also clear that there's a spiritual dimension to it. And he's getting thrown into the fire. And the husband, the, the father is begging Jesus. And one of the best things I think Jesus ever said, he says, he says, I know that you can do it. And he says, if you believe, and he says, I believe, help my unbelief. Love that response on the dad. I believe, help my unbelief. And then Jesus says, you mute and deaf spirit. He's talking to the kid. You mute, you see authority again. You mute and deaf spirit, I command you. Come out of him and never enter him again. That never enter him again, that's a new thing, isn't it? You know what else is a new thing? Mute and deaf spirit. We're going to master's level now. Here's what master's level, we're going to see it in just one second, but I, I, I'm going to come back to it. Just think about master's level and about prayer. 
But I want you to see he did this. Now watch what happens in this. Because this is why I told you the Bible even shows us how people can get it kinked. Watch this. When Mark is telling the story, at the end of the story of Mark, he says this. They say, why couldn't we cast him out? And Mark records this. And Jesus said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Oh, wow, now there's something. That's not just authority, Kurt. Yeah, well, wait just a second. Now watch this. That's the early manuscript. And any translation worth its salt, which is most, they will bracket some additional information that was put in later by somebody that just couldn't handle keep it simple stupid. Because what they do is they say, well, let's add fasting, come on. <laughs> it's demons after all. When you have to pray and fast, doesn't that make sense? I mean, you've got to do something. They're pretty powerful. They're pretty big. You see how that undermines your own sense of who you are? How big is God and how big is demons again? See, when we, when we start letting them be in competition due to our own ignorance, which was not from the Bible, but because we play around with the tree, we get all confused. Right? Now watch. This is so bad that in Matthew, somebody takes and inserts an entire verse. <laughs> However, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. This is not in the original manuscript. By the way, when I say all this, people can say, wow, I can't trust the Bible because people are going to add things to the Bible. That's not accurate. There's literally like five places in the whole of the New Testament and like three or four in the whole of the Old Testament where something is added. And we have the, enough text to know what was original and what was not. And so we can clearly tell what was added, and it's right in your marginal notes. So there are some people that tried to add things. And this is an instance that's interesting to me that in this very area where we get tripped up so much, God let us all see that even the very first Christians were trying to make this more complicated than it was. Because they're actually adding verses to what Jesus said. <laughs> Somebody else came along later, that's why it's bracketed, and wrote in, well, but those demons, that's more complicated than just that, so you've got to write it in prayer and fasting. In fact, watch how, watch how against the spirit of truth that particular edition is. Watch this. This is Matthew 17. This is the whole context of it. Be how, why couldn't we cast him out? What is his answer? Is it because you didn't pray and fast enough? No, it's actually something very different. Because you don't believe. Because <laughs> you have little faith. He tells them, I assure you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you'll tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Do you see how completely against the heart and the spirit of this that is? To add that, oh, except for this one, and that comes out by prayer and fasting. Do you see that? It's despicable. It's, it, it's a great lesson that God put right in there for us about how we get things convoluted in our brains. Because we don't stand in the simplicity of who we are in Christ. You see it? Now, I do want to say something, though. Right? In the end, we still have to deal with this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. When Jesus drove out the demon from that kid, did he pray right then? Did he stop? Is, it, is that what was recorded? Oh, I've got to do my incantation now because this is a different kind of spirit, so now I've got to take on and put on a priestly robe, and I've got to get my oil, and I've got to get my anointing oil, and I've got to get my holy water, and I've got to get my cross, and I've got to, get, and I've got to do this prayer, and I've got to genuflect 15 times because that's what you've got to do, and if it's 14 times, then it's not going to go well. And does he do anything like that? What does he do? Come out. 
Deaf, mute, spirit, be gone. Wait a minute, deaf, mute, spirit, I already said, that's a new thing. That's identifying that spirit in a way. He knew legion before he asked the question. But this is Jesus apparently knowing something. When it says come out by prayer, let me propose to you what I think it's saying. This fits totally with keep it simple, stupid. You know when you're walking out of your door in your house and you've got that little yellow thing that's got the sun on it and it says stop and pray and ask the Lord to show you anybody that you're supposed to be affecting as you go out? You know what I'm talking about? Stop and pray, the thing that we put on our doors? I think here's what Jesus is saying. When he gets to the master's level, here's what he's saying. I'm going to take you into all kinds of things, and I'm going to tell you all kinds of things before they happen. I'm going to pray you up. I'm going to prepare you. Are you just going through life, and when something happens, you're just reacting to it? That is not actually a good Christian walk. Here's what a good Christian walk looks like. I'm spending time with the Lord, as Jesus did, in, that, in those solitary places, right? As was his habit, he got away to pray. And he spends time with the Lord. And as he's going through his day, he's allowing the Holy Spirit to quicken him. And what I'm telling you is, is that as we're headed into things that are going to be more difficult, I think the Lord will let you know. I think he'll let you know all kinds of things. And you'll be prayed up. And when the time is the time, you'll know what to do. That's not complicated, right? That's just understanding that this is a little more complicated. No, complicated is not the right word. There's more going on than what you know. So don't handle this Christian walk lightly. Don't just bounce around like it doesn't matter. Right? Have some intentionality about this. God wants to use you to set people free. Isn't that what we want to be? Do we really want to be that? I don't think so. I think a lot of people, just lovingly, I think a lot of people don't want to be that. Kurt, you go deliver the demons. Leave me to, you know, help in my friend. I love you. Let the Lord be the Lord of your life. God, we are messed up. When we discern that we're messed up, go to him and confess and repent and ask him to change you. Please. Tell him, I don't want to do that. And it's not okay that I don't want to do that. So would you teach me how to want to do that, Lord? You know, right? Would you teach me how to be a person who is being used by you even in places that were a little trickier? Keep it simple. But be prepared. Be ready in season and out. It's Lamaze, right? It used to be real popular. They don't do Lamaze anymore, do they? Like, people just had, they don't do Lamaze anymore, right? Well, you know what Lamaze was? Lamaze was a, a woman that was, that, that needed to, you know, she's having a baby and she needs to breathe right. And if you could breathe a certain way, then it would help the contractions and it would take away the pain to some degree and all that kind of stuff, right? And so, you know, the key to Lamaze was if you didn't practice it so much that it was second nature to you, when the contractions came on, they were so intense, you couldn't remember what to do. <laughs> The whole key to Lamaze, it's just this great little example in my heart of if you're not working on this stuff all the time, you're not ready in season and out. Okay? You're just reactive. We're to be intentional about our walk, about who we are. Right? Lovingly said. So there it is. Everything that Jesus did right there. Pretty simple. Right? Be quiet. Come out of the man. A simple command, go. Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Greater your faith, be done. You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him, never enter him again. That's it. That's all Jesus did.
That's all he ever said. That's it. So if you're saying more than that, you're wrong. If you're praying for somebody and it takes you 15 minutes to pray, I would suggest to you that maybe there's something about authority that you're missing. You think in a preponderance of words, there is godliness. Or there is the, you know, if I get the incantation right, if I say the right, yeah, okay, let me, let me move on. Let's go to New Testament. I just want to show you because this is the only other two places. Uh, disciples, crowds came from the village around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. Does that sound familiar to you? That's what Jesus did. Now that's what they're doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing, right? The only other instance, there's other times when other things happen, but the only other instance of a demon deliverance happens when Paul is being followed around by a girl who has a spirit of divination, and all that mean is, is that she had this ability to see things in the future through an evil spirit. Understand, you know, Satan quotes scripture to Jesus. And this girl is following him around with an evil spirit saying the truth. What's the truth? These are men from the Most High God come to tell you the way of freedom. Come to tell you the good news. That's what, that's what she's saying. What's wrong with that? Heck, you got a herald telling you, they listen to these people. And this is somebody people listen to. But Paul knows that even though this, this spirit is speaking the truth, it isn't a spirit from God. And so he turns around and he does this exact same thing that Jesus did with one minor change. I command you, in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. See that? In the name of Jesus Christ, come out. So that's a nice little addition, right? In the name of Jesus, right? Jesus was doing it in his own name. We can say in his name, right? Pretty simple. By the way, there are, well, no, let me get to that in a second. Uh, okay. Here's why this, um, let me give you a real case scenario of how we let fear rob us from authority you walk into an occult bookstore and it's just creepy and you go there's demons in here demons aren't in places you can't find one instance in scripture where a demon's in a place demons are in people they're in soulish things for a quick time they were in pigs turned out not to be the same kind of life as what's in people drove them crazy they drowned themselves okay demons are things that are separated from God and they need life Jesus says it this way when a demon gets cast out it goes into waterless places dry places what that means is no life they can't be in a house it's a, there's no life in a house there's life in us so what they do is they come back around and they see that oh my gosh you swept the house the demon got out, but just swept the house, didn't fill it up with God, and now he doesn't get seven more, and now the last state is worse than the first. See that? So what I want you to understand is, is demons can't be in places. Demons, we let them there as Christians. Because we walk in and we say, oh, there's demons in here. Bad theology, bad understanding. And either way, not, oh, it's be gone. But there isn't anything there. It's just him trying to get you to go, I get to be here because you've let me be here. And what we say is, no, I won't. <laughs> be gone. In fact, I, I really want to make it clear. Watch this. The scriptures tell us clearly, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, which means people, but against rulers, authorities, against cosmic powers of this, over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. This is in people. Now, I want you to understand, I, not be, this has not got anything to do with Jesse except in this regard. Jesse leaving is a big deal to me personally. 
okay? I love him. I don't want him to go, okay? That doesn't mean I don't think that he's supposed to go. That means I don't want him to go. I love him, okay? I'd like him to do things. He's made my life better, okay? Who would want to lose that, okay? And he's done a beautiful job of coming up here and pastoring this congregation in, in the times when he needed to. And I don't know what we're going to do about that. And God will work it. He's got it. And he's already done a whole lot of things to cover us in ways that are awesome. But the, but the point of the matter is, is my life, I'm in a vulnerable place right now. Because whenever something like this happens, you've got to understand, I go back to the Lord and I just let everything down. I lay down everything. And I just go as soulish and selfish and everything else as I am. I just go to the Lord and I just say, you know what? You've got to just teach me what I'm supposed to learn from this. Because no matter what else is going on, I did something. And whatever I did, I need to learn from it. So I'm at this very vulnerable place. And I'm being very careful here right now, because I want you to hear this. But what happens is, is that Satan, knowing that I'm in a vulnerable place, and the church is in a vulnerable place, because this, you know, I did a second fundraiser, and this is, people could be mad at me, and this, you know, who knows? I don't know how. Everybody, by the way, has been so far awesome. Can I just say, I'm just so thankful for this body. And, but I, maybe you haven't, if you're mad at me, maybe you haven't said it. But the people that have said something have been incredibly gracious and loving and supportive. And I just can't even begin to tell you what a, what a delight and what a pleasure it is to serve with people that are supporting one another and lifting up each other's hands, even in times that are difficult and that I may have done something wrong. You understand? Okay? So I'm just thankful. But the bottom line is I'm at a vulnerable place, and sure enough, Satan sends me a thorn. The person sends me a word. And it, the first word that they sent, they said they had words for me, but they were showing me words for somebody else. And I went, oh, my God, these are not from the Lord. Excuse me for even saying my God. But uh, I just went, wow, these are really not from the Lord. And because I didn't feel like it was from the Lord, I, I just said, boy, I really don't think this is from the Lord. But, you know, if you need to speak into me, I want to be open. If God's trying to say something to me, I'm going to be open. Even though my discernment was, frankly, if they weren't connected with somebody in this body that I love and respect with all my heart, I would have simply said, don't ever send me another email again, because I'm not into it. <laughs> I don't think what you're doing is of the Lord at all. But what happened was, is that this person then sent me a word. And I have to tell you, it's just, I, it's just, every discernment in me went, not only is this not from God, this is from someplace very bad. And this is an attack from the pit of hell on me to, to set certain thoughts into my mind to make me wonder, to pull me down and to kill me. Now, watch what I did. I said, Julie, read this. I didn't tell her what my discernment was. She came away and she went, wow, that's not God. You need to not pay any attention. You need to get rid of that. You just delete that thing. That's horrible. I didn't delete it. What I did is I picked two people in this body who prophesy here on a fairly regular basis and who I trust. I could have picked several others, but I picked two people, just what the Word says. I did 1 Corinthians 14. I sent it to two other people, and I said, boy, you know, if it's just me, because it's a hard word against me, if it's just me, would you please help me discern if this is from the Lord or not? Both, I didn't say anything else. Both people came back to me and said, not only is this not from God, this is from the pit of hell, and you need to just reject this outright because this is nasty stuff, and you need to not pay any attention to it or give it any place in you whatsoever. But the problem was I'd already read it. So it already had a place in me. And it started working. It's, 
built. I'm not, you know, look, I could be wrong about everything, including this. But you know, I did everything I could do, and I had to go to battle against it. And then, over time, Satan always has this way of overplaying his hand. You ever notice that in spiritual warfare? In the beginning, you're kind of like, I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe. And, but then all of a sudden, you start just going, geez, you know, how much more clear do you need to make it? You know what I mean? This is just not anything, right? And this has prompted a whole bunch more emails and a whole bunch more things, and it's a really bad situation. But I want to tell you what I do when I get faced with a situation like that, how I go to spiritual warfare. Here's what I do. I keep it simple, stupid. When I'm under spiritual attack, the first thing that I do is I say, what's the last thing that I know for absolute certain God told me to do? And I forget about doing anything else. And I start doing that doubly and triply and quadruply over what I, used, over what I was doing. It. I find the thing that I know is God for sure, and I redouble my efforts in it. Right? But then I do do one thing. I say some version of this to myself because I get it from Scripture. This is not an incantation. This is not a formula. This is a revealed thing for me that has had great power in my life to get rid of things that would try and get their hooks in me. To get rid of them. By the way, I'll pray this over people sometimes. Some of you, I've prayed for you and I felt like there was some, a spiritual discernment of something attacking you. And I'll pray this over you. And it's just, get behind me. Get behind Jesus, Satan. Because, you know, it's, J Jesus says to Peter, get, get behind me, Satan. But I'd rather have Satan behind Jesus than me. So I tell them, get behind Jesus, Satan. Right? In the name of Jesus Christ, that's Paul. Come out, that's Jesus. Be gone, that's Jesus. And don't come back, that's Jesus. And then this is Jude, and the Lord rebuke you. And I'm telling you, this morning, this attack was still coming. And I sat down, and I was doing this sermon, and I was going through this. And I just sat down, and I prayed that prayer. And I said, get thee behind Jesus, Satan. In the name of Jesus Christ, come out, be gone, and do not come back. The Lord rebuke you. And I'm telling you, I had many revivals. Not because it was an incantation, not because it was a formula, but because it's what God taught me to do in Scripture. He taught me to stand in the authority which I have, and that's what I do when I say that. I stand in authority and I say, this will not have any place in me. Because last Sunday when I was preaching and baptizing, this thing did have a place in me, and it was hurting the sermon and it was hurting the baptisms in me. And that's not okay. <laughs> it's not okay for me to come up here in that state. See it? So I think there's a very, this, what I'm trying to get across to you is, this is very real stuff. Don't misunderstand it. This is happening all the time, much more than I think any of us would know. But when you discern it, keep it simple, stupid. Go to the thing that you know God told you to do and redouble your efforts. I feel like it's hard for Satan to attack me because every time he attacks me, I do more God. I'm really serious about that. Right? And then stand in the authority which you have. Rebuke that thing. Do not let it come at you. You know, by the way, give it to other people. Let them discern with you because maybe God is trying to say something to you. 
right? So give it to somebody else, and if God wants to speak to you through somebody that you trust, they'll say, you know what, this is probably God. You need to listen up. Okay? We get it? I want any questions of any kind. We're going to take about seven minutes. I've talked about a lot of things. There's so much more that we could talk about. But I want you to just I want you to just ask me any question, make any comment, do whatever you want to do. I want you to talk about this, and, and we're just going to have a moment here where we let this sink into our hearts. If you've got a tough question, ask it. Don't worry about it. Go ahead, Greg. Greg? Oh, you're helping with the mic. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you had a question for me. Andrew, right here. Right here, Greg. Right here. <laughs> so my thought, I... I've Stand you, up. Okay. So Thanks. I've heard you say that demons are in people, but not places. Yes. But then, what about the ones on the bed? In the stories that you shared. Well, the one on the bed? Like the mean, ones on the bed? About? And I've heard other people say, like, there was one waiting for me in the room when I got back. Okay, I don't understand. One okay, on so the bed. You, what are you, you, what you, biblical you, story? No, your, your example. What? Your Smith Wigglesworth story? Oh. Not biblically, but like. Oh, I'm not saying the demons aren't. Uh, it can't. Um, I, I totally get what you're saying. Thank you for the clarification. Here's what I want to say. I'm not, when, what we think is that the spirits inhabit the occult bookstore. They can't inhabit the book, occult bookstore. It doesn't mean that they're not real and that they're not there. He says they go out of a man and they go through waterless places trying to find some place to light. So I'm not saying, when, when we walk into the occult bookstore, it's not like they've been living there. It's that they're always trying to find somebody. And when we walk in there and we give them place, then we've given them place in us. See what I'm saying? It's not like they were waiting in the occult bookstore for some Christian to walk in or for somebody to walk in and they could jump on them. Okay. And you know what? I don't even know if that's true. Because I don't know enough to know about it. Because the Bible doesn't make that clear. What it does make clear is, is what we think is that occult bookstore is filled with demons. And here's, here's what I'm coming against when I say it. Okay. And by the way, if you want to do this with your house, I don't care. Okay. I, I think it's perfectly lovely to go through your house and anoint it with oil. I think that's great. I've prayed over copier machines and they got fixed. So I don't know. Do what you want to do with that. Okay. All right. So you know what I mean? I'm fine. Okay. But, but here's what I am saying. People will go, there's a demon in my house. And I want to say, that's not true. That's not good biblical. If you think that that's why it's there and it's not in the house, it's you. It's sucking, it's a parasite sucking the life out of you. You're the one who's giving it place. It's not living in the house as if it's a haunted house. That's the popular misconception of what that thing is. But it doesn't mean that they're not real. It doesn't mean that they don't go out there, and it doesn't mean that they're not trying to find places of life to hook into. I think that they're suffering because they're in waterless places. Does that clarify? Go ahead. Could the house be a waterless place? Yeah, but you, you see what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to get us out of the mindset that says, you know what, let me, let me do this. If you want to think that there's demons in the house, I don't care. When you walk in there, tell them they can't be there anymore. Okay? You got it? I want to argue with you that it's not actually good theology to say that they're in the house waiting for you and that it's a haunted house. I think that that's Halloween. Okay? But I want to say, nonetheless, I, don't, that wouldn't be, I wouldn't die on that hill because the Bible didn't make it clear. And I've told you, the Bible didn't make a whole lot of things about this clear. So we don't want to build theology on stuff that's not clear, and thank you, God, for clarifying that. What we need to keep clear is, and keep simple is we have authority. Thank you, Andrew, very much. Anybody else? Jesse? 
stand up too. You know, I like standing up. <laughs> um, discernment. You talk about discernment. Yes. Um, recently, when you say it is okay to go to others, is that God speaking to me when I'm running things closely by someone else to get uh, the message from him? The answer is hopefully. You've got to be discerning. There's stories in the Old Testament of God trying to speak through a prophet, and the king goes to his prophets, and the prophets say, no, we don't bear witness to that, and it turns out they're wrong. And then there was something, thank you, there was something else I want to clarify. Go ahead. Um, By saying? the way, I want to say something. The two prophets that I sent this to are people that have been critical of me several times. That's one of the ways that I felt like I could send this word of discernment to them, because if it would have been something that would have been true that God was trying to say, I think both of these people would have picked that up. They love me, don't misunderstand. But I think that they would have been, they would have said, you know, they don't agree with everything that I do. If anybody does in here, by the way, you should wise up. Okay? Because that's not okay with me. But go ahead, Jesse. The other thing I wanted to clarify is um, I talked to a close sister in Christ, and I told her, God, there's a demon in my house. There's, yeah. there's an unhealthy spirit that I just yeah. is uncomfortable. And um, what I wanted to clarify is, are you saying that recently my experience was the closer I got to God, I did have that experience where I had that what I thought was a demon in my room. And okay. the closer I've gotten to God, I was able to just go, oh, whatever, pray, yeah. and go back to bed. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Perfect. Okay? Thank you. Yeah. I, 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 here's what I'm trying to, the spirit that I'm trying to do, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of sound mind. So that's what the haunted house is about for me. That's why I make a big deal about that. And maybe I think God has helped to clarify for me where a place where I was wrong. You know what I mean? Or where I'm saying things too definitely that need to be kept a little bit less definite. You know what I mean? But the, but the idea is what I know I'm supposed to be doing battle with is fear. And that's what I was trying to do battle with. When we walk into a place and we're afraid, we're wrong. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against you will prosper, period. Unless you give it place. Go ahead. Anybody else? Okay. Let me see. Thank you. You got to stand up. Give us your name. My name is Michelle. Oh, my name is Michelle. Um, in the Hebrew, the word name means character. So every time you read the word name, think of the character. I need yes, to do this amen. In the character of Christ. Yeah. Not just in the yeah. incantation of. Yeah. I, we Americans, this is just a short sidebar. But you know, I mean, my name is Kurt Brunk. What does that mean? I was named after my grandfather, Curtis. And, uh, but you do realize that in the he whole Hebrew context and everything else, it was like, like you hear with Indian nation or first world or whatever you want to call them, right? You know I mean? I, I don't know what to call them anymore because it's, you can't call them anything anymore at some point, right? But for an Indian person in America, okay, uh, that, you know, and I, that's not any slam on them, by the way. I think they're trying to work through, you know, redskins and all kinds of stuff in order to try and figure that out for themselves. But, but the issue is, is that they would name somebody something that had a prophetic moment to it. You understand, when, when Jacob has his 12 sons and he speaks to them, blessing them in his final thing and even switching the arms with the two and so on, he's speaking something into being prophetically. Now, we can't speak anything into being, but God wants to speak things into being through us. So when we are prepared, when we speak these things and we pronounce these things, and I think that we need to be more thoughtful of the names in which we give our children. 
I think that there needs to be a prophetic moment aspect to that name. Not just because it's popular, certainly not because some actor or actress has that name. Okay? All right. Go ahead. I actually have two questions. Yeah. One would be authority. So I'm yeah. wondering if I do a formulaic thing here, but I'm thinking about this. I go, I know of authority over like my house, right? And myself. Yeah. yeah. And Jade and I, and if we should have kids, those kids. Yeah. But Jesus seems Texas. So is it only when someone comes and asks for healing? So like if someone will come and say, I want to be close to the Lord, and I feel like there's a demon, then I can cast that out. That's not a problem. Right. But I don't just go around like, you know, hitting yeah. people and saying, be clean. But, 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 but now, but here's, do you want to go on more? Or go? Well, so in that is, is when uh, does authority, uh, how do you respect the choice of a person? Or yeah. do you always go? When we're talking about Jesus, there were people that came to him. So they were giving him permission in their lives. Right. But I do think that there's something that we have to do. And the 777 prayer, Ann Graham Lott, has something to do with this. Do you remember what it says is, I'm going to give you authority and the gates of hell will not prevail. Here's what we think. That means that the gates are somehow chasing us around and we're going to be able to overcome them. Gates are gates. Gates don't move anywhere. Gates are us moving into the territory that the enemy has. So what we're doing is, is we're coming after people that are in bondage, that are in deception, that are in these places, and we come after those people. Now, I do think that we have to treat people as if they have free will. Why? Because they do. <laughs> right? And if we treat them as if they don't, that's a mistake on our part, theologically and practically. See that? So I think that, that I hope that answers your question. I think that there's sort of a twofold thing going on. One is, I think we need to move with authority. I think we need to move out in that, and I think we need to go into places that are bad places. And we need to come with the authority that we have, and not just to start a bar, barroom fight, right? But because there's somebody in there that we need to save, that needs saving. And we go in there not worried about what Satan would put up against us. We go in there with all confidence that God has that person to be delivered. Okay? And, and I do want to say, I will pray that thing that I just said. I will pray that over somebody, and they don't know that that's what I'm praying. But I'm saying there's deception in this person's life, and I'm praying against that deception. Go ahead. So what I heard was, go out boldly in authority but be a respecty, respectful discerner of people, too. Yes, is absolutely. That yeah. And the second is just to how to deal with brackets in Scripture. If okay. I remember correctly, the Great Commission is also an added later manuscript. There's a part of it that is. is a, there's a part of it? Well, no, actually, there's a whole section that is in the one. That's right. So then when you look at brackets in Scripture, do you go instance by instance, or do you throw them all out or accept them all? Uh, what, I, what I wanted, this is my answer to it. Does the thing that is being said violate the rest of Scripture? Scripture is God-breathed. We can take the Great Commission and we can take the bracketed edition that that was from an earlier edition, and we can say, is it reasonable to think that Jesus said something like this? Is this consistent with what he was saying? Is this in that same ballpark? And then we do a discernment and we say that. But I do want to say something. I think we need to be a little careful with all brackets. I do. But here's the point. There's nothing that's said in the Great Commission that I can't get somewhere else completely. That's totally different than when they say fasting. Because I can get prayer out of Mark, but I can't get fasting out of any other place about demons. See what I mean? That seems to me to be taking it to this other extent where it makes it more complicated. Thank you for the description. Yeah. All right. We're just going to do a couple of more. Okay. We're going to drop back to Michael, then we'll come forward to Rich, and then we'll go to Paul. And I don't know. Are we going to get out of here on time? Uh -oh. I'm Michael. Yeah. And uh, um, one of
one of them in your more liturgical churches. Yes. Uh, especially when uh, there's a church membership, you renounce the devil and his works. And I think that that's an important thing in, uh, uh, in whatever sure. kind of clearing that is get, gets done. Sure. As long as it's not said as an incantation. No. I always remember Jesus himself spoke against, the, and Paul says it too, they think they have an answer because of the words they've used, because they got some formula. That's a pagan understanding of things. And our understanding is we're just talking to the real live God and we're just telling him, you know, so go ahead. And the, se the second thing is you said about uh, just more recently, before uh, after I had put my hand up, about not going out. And yet, in both the case of Legion and in the case of uh, the uh, demon-possessed girl that Paul prayed about long before he delivered her, right. a lot of discernment there when... Sure. When, the, when there's not an invitation. Surely. You know, you, you, we call it a lot of discernment, but can I say something really simple? If you spend a lot of time with God in devotionals, you'll know what he sounds like. And then when something else comes imitating that, Satan comes as an angel of light. When something comes and, and is trying to speak a word or trying to do something in a way that isn't that spirit, it should be as simple as, you know, I'm his sheep. I know his voice. This is not his voice. This is another shepherd that's calling me, and I'm not going to pay any attention to it. See what I mean? I mean, discernment in the end, I just really want to say, comes right out of spending time with God. The more time, it's that old, it's a totally untruism, right? You all know that this story is fake, okay? Which is that they only, they never give people that learn how to do counterfeit bills, they never give them counterfeit bills, they only give them the real bills, and they get so good at the real bills that they know what a counterfeit is because it doesn't look like the real thing. That's not true. When, if you're in the treasury department, they teach you what counterfeit bills look like so you'll know how to see them, okay? But it's a nice story, and it gets us to the heart of what we want to get to, which is if you know what God sounds like when somebody tries to say something that isn't him, you'll know that it's not him. If you've ever been sucked into a deception like that that has made a big difference in your life, then I'm, I'm not kidding you. It's like a red flag on this pot. I see two people that have spent a lot of time in ministry and pastoring and everything else. When I said that, you started laughing. And it's just so true. If you've ever had Satan deceive you, you, you were deceived. And then God lovingly brings you out of it. Every time you see that thing, it's just this big red flag, sore thumb, and everybody else is going, no, it doesn't look bad to me at all. Or there may be some bad in it, but there's some good in it. And you're going, <laughs> I know where that tree leads. <laughs> and I'm not going to spend any time whatsoever by it because I know that it will deceive me again. So I'm going to spend time with him. We, we are quite late. Is there anybody else that just really has to ask a question? Go ahead, Rich. It's Okay, uh, this goes along with, right with what you were saying about the devotional thing. Yeah. In Luke chapter 9, where you said you, the, um, the bracket thing was, where it said prayer and fasting yes. or whatever. Yes. That's great, but that that instance happened when Jesus cast that demon out when the uh, apostles couldn't. Yes. was the day after the Jesus was on Mount Transfiguration. Because um, it says the you next know, day gonna, they we're went. We're going to get to that in a couple of months. I've never made that connection before. I'm interested to see. I know, you're, I know that you're, uh, you are a very, very careful biblical scholar, so I'm looking forward to 
would you do me a favor? Send me an email on this so okay. that when I get to that section, I consider what it is that you're saying and okay. see if there's not a truth in there that we should be talking about. Okay. Um, okay. The, second, the second thing was um, when Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, yeah. and then when Paul cast the demon out, it was both when they were trying to teach or further the ministry and those people were coming against him. And yeah. so that's when they did it without regard for the other person's permission. That's the yeah, there's a story of Paul doing that, the proconsul. But yep. Paul says the proconsul is withstanding, which doesn't. Well, I was thinking about. about said, but what he says is, you're going to be blind. Yeah. <laughs> and he, yeah. he goes blind. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, okay. I was thinking about the one with the, uh, the girl with the spirit of divination when they were. I know, I know yeah. Okay. It's interesting, though, know, she was actually saying what they were actually doing. So she wasn't so much withstanding it as she was just being wrong spirit. But, but at this point in time, do you want to say it, Paul, or not? I said I would, so if you need to say it, say it. Go ahead. And then we're done, and we're taking an offering, and we're going home. I'm Paul, and uh, there's a scripture, I forget where it is, that uh, warning about casting out demons from a person that is not in agreement, that the demon leaves, he sees it, that the person is empty yeah. and comes back sevenfold. Uh, we need to be discerning. In by, between binding and casting out. That's a good point. We can bind I'm the good. demons from yeah. interfering. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting in the binding word. and loosing. Binding is binding in community, and loosing is sending out from the community, and we use it the other way around. But, Paul, what you said is true, and I, I get it. So, Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, knowing that there's more questions. By the way, continue this conversation. Go to Facebook. Send me emails. We, you know, I want to get a conversation going on these things. So please, Facebook, email, however you want to do it, communicate with me. We'll get back and we'll open it up so that we all learn from this. That's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to be a synagogue, a community that learns together. So Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, take this time. Let us get out of it the K-I-S-S. Let us get out of it the simplicity, the truth, and the power of the gospel. You have not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of sound mind. Let us have that kind of peace that passes understanding. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we reach down in front and we grab this cup, and in this cup represents a whole lot of movies, TV shows, books, Christian and non, speakers, all kinds of things that have been the vain imaginations of man which have stolen from us the pure simplicity of the, the authority that you have given us. And so in Jesus' holy and precious name, we know that we have been stolen, but you restore what the canker worm has stolen. So we recognize that we're broken by putting our finger in there and breaking that bread. But then we take that bread because we know that on that cross, Jesus took all of our failings and healed them utterly, made us whole. So in Jesus' holy and precious name, take this body with you, family, and be one in Christ with him. Be healed, be renewed, in Jesus' name. And now, God, in your magnificent name, we lift this cup in which is the life that you have for us, the one that is utterly victorious because you are utterly victorious. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we say unto you, God, 
in thanksgiving and praise. Bring us into the fullness of the life that you've already purchased for us. Let us know what's already been done that we might live in it more fully. In Jesus' name.